Being a mother is an attitude, not biology. An unknown writer once said, if you give me any three words, I'll write you a story about my mother. Story is in our DNA, and of course, so is she. We gathered stories from men and women in all walks of life. Stories about the ones we have, the ones we are, the ones we know. This includes stories about stepmothers, godmothers, grandmothers, birth moms, foster moms, the mom up the street. It includes stories about not being a mom and stories about mothering in other ways. No matter how you slice it, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Hi everybody, I'm Lupe Padilla Mitchell. I'm a life coach of mothers and families and a mother of three adult daughters. I'm Katie Mitchell, actress, writer, storyteller, and mom of a teenage son. Imagine if you were given the opportunity to have one more conversation with someone who has passed away. Our guest today is Belina Logan. In her one-woman show, Confessions of a Mulatto Love Child, Belina plays a slew of characters from her life, but primarily her mother, Averill. My mother and father first met doing a play at the Actors Studio in Los Angeles. On the night that I was conceived, my father said, yeah, well, uh, we were sitting in a bar listening to Fly Me to the Moon. And I got a cocktail napkin out and I wrote the lyrics on it and I courted your mother with it. She said, yes, yes, Fly Me to the Moon, that's, that's correct. But <laughs> what your father is forgetting is that before we made love on the zebra-skinned rug, your father placed an African fertility necklace around my neck and said, let me deposit my wealth in you. When we were setting up the appointment to interview her, I asked Belina what it was like playing her mom. And this is what she replied. I love doing this show. I wrote it for many reasons, but the added gift that I wasn't expecting was that performing it winds up being this weird experience of bringing her back for about 80 minutes. A visit from someone I miss so much. No, that's true. I, I do. I, um, I feel like for those 80 minutes, even though, I mean, I'm not to sound look woo-woo and scary and Shirley MacLaine, but I don't feel like my mother's, you know, coming through me or anything. It's just that I feel like I'm having another visit with her, especially after she's been gone for so long. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, it, it's 80 minutes I'm with my mom. I forget that I'm me being my mom. When I become my mom on stage, I'm like, oh, I, I, she's there with me. Mm. And we are having this conversation and she's being ridiculous and crazy and I'm listening to her and I love that. And then when the show goes down, when it's over, I don't feel sad. I kind of feel like, oh, that was nice. That was a nice visit. Let me tell you a story. My mother is very white, very blonde, very blue-eyed and very English. Imagine Maggie Smith. Now, imagine Maggie Smith getting together with Shaft. You get me. So what I couldn't figure out at four years old was how could I look the way I looked in a household filled with blondes? So my mother sat me down at the kitchen table and she took a black cup of coffee Daddy. And then she took some cream. Mummy. Now, you pour a little bit of mummy into daddy. Of course, it'd be the other way around, but uh, we'll get to that when you're older. 
and you get Bellina. And that worked for me. Mm. And also, it's a, just a, a way to keep her alive in, with your daughter. Do you still have just one daughter? You have more children? What? Oh, no, honey. I just have the one <laughs> because <laughs> I, I'm grateful for the one that I have. And she's 15. And Lola, that's her name, when she was uh, 10, my mom passed away. But for eight years, basically the eight years that, you know, I was looking after my mom out here in Los Angeles, Lola was my little, my little sidekick caregiver, but you know, she was a child. And so there are some memories that she doesn't hold anymore. And then there are the memories that she has, but all the memories of my mother that she has are of the very delicate, uh, frail, mm. uh, English yes. lady who was lovely and wonderful. And certainly my daughter adored that woman, that uh, representation, but she never got to know the Averill, my mom's name, that so many other people had known. And so when I did the show, she got to see that person. I didn't have to always constantly say, well, you know, she never, she wasn't always like this, honey. And I felt like the show kind of took care of that in a way. Yeah. I think that that's one of the, the gifts that performers, writers, um, have over people who don't write and aren't good storytellers or don't collect information like a, a storyteller will do because you're able to do that and someone else has those same kind of stories and then they'll tell one little piece of a story. But there's something about the beauty of having the gift that you do because you could bring her to life. I, I, I love that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I just... Thank you. And I, that's what Lola felt like. I think the first time Lola saw it, she burst into tears, mm. which already oh. as a mother, that affected me. But she didn't say anything. My daughter is, uh, she's got quite a personality on her, but she holds things close to the chest. And I think it was, it was for her important when it was over. She cried a lot because I think she knew how important it was for me for her to know who that person was. And she was able to sort of make the connection. I keep kind of thinking about how nice that would have been to know the real story of my grandmother too. As you were saying that, I was like, yeah, that'd be amazing if I, if I really had a, a sense of who my grandmother was, even if it was through an art form of something my mother had done, that'd be amazing. Cause I know my grandmother one certain way. Yeah. You know? And also I just finished doing it in New York with pretty much the friends of my mother's that are still with us. Oh. And uh, it was sort of a great experience for them. Oh, London. Oh, look, there's Rainbow Corner. That's where I won all the jitterbug contests with the American GIs. Oh, I loved those Yanks with all their chocolate and cigarettes. Oh, look, there's the Savoy Hotel. Oh, too many memories in the Savoy. Oh, and this grey sky, it always feels like it's right on top of your head. No, no. Come along, Belina. Give me your little hand. We're off to see the family in the country. Ah, oh, hello, family. Oh, goodbye, family. I know. Let's live with artists and run a fig and almond farm in Ibiza. Oh. The smell of the algaroba beans. 
and the feeling of the Mediterranean sun on one's skin. <gasps> what have I done? I'm no farmer. And this place is gorgeous, but you're going to grow up stupid. No, no, no. Come along, Belina, give me your little hand. We're going back to L.A. Oh, no. Too many ex-husbands, too many ex-lovers. I mean, you always have to drive here. No, 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 no. I, oh, I feel like I need to walk. I need to walk and you, you need to learn how to really walk. And the only place that you can do that is in New York. Come along, Belina. Give me your little hand. We're off to New York. Now, by this time, my sisters were 18 and 20 years old, so they went off to college to begin their new lives. And Betty and my mother and I began our new lives in New York. And my mother showed me Manhattan. She showed me how to walk fast. She showed me the theater and the museums and the zoo. Ice cream sundaes at Rumpelmeyer's. Bird, shat on my head. Toughen up, darling. It's good luck. Keep walking. And every night, before I went to bed, my mother would tuck me in with a brand new story from her life. When I was a little girl, I used to fantasize that I was running the wall with Winston Churchill. And I used to fantasize that I was bringing his tea to him in his four-poster bed. <laughs> Nothing kinky. Remember your life, Belina. Remember your life. When my mom used to tell me things about her life as bedtime stories, I used to love old movies. And when I was a kid, I used to be at home on Sundays and Saturdays and watch, you know, all the old black and white movies and some, some of the color ones. And I remember going to see That's Entertainment and just falling in love with old movies and movie stars. And my mom had lived so many different chapters in her life and she had so many photographs of herself from the 40s and the 50s, and they were mostly black and white. My mom, because of the way she looked, she looked like a, a like a Lana Turner. She had all these sort of marvelous photographs of herself. And when she would tell me stories from her life, I used to lie in bed and play them back in my head like it was a, a black and white movie. What? <laughs> it was weird. It was always like a little movie each night. And um, everybody was sort of in black and white. There was no color in my mind until she started to tell some stories. And then I would find pictures where literally the pictures were color and that would freak me out a bit. It would be like Dorothy when she kind of lands in the house in Oz. And then there's all these, you know, the, the Oz is all colorful as opposed to Kansas being black and white. That's how some of my other stories would be that she would tell me because that would be moving into like the seventies and the eighties and stuff like that. <laughs> you got the story behind the picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know. I have, Tons of photo albums I could look at of my mother's and I could see people, but I, I was never, it was never told to me in a story. Mm. Yeah, this was, she would always like, it was crazy sometimes. I mean, I would bet, I mean, in the story you saw Betty and Betty would always be the one who sort of had the moral thing with me. She'd come in and make me say my prayers, even though we never went to church. None of us went to church, but Betty would always be like, you have to sort of say some things to God before you go to bed. <laughs> and and so we would, you know, do the, you know, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And I would do that whole thing. And then suddenly the door would burst open and there would be my mother who would finish off the job with the, the story of her life that night. And it was truly like going to a movie. 
because I could never imagine my mother living life regularly. It always had to be sort of up on a screen with like, like in that wonderful sort of old movie magic look. So the only person who knew about my mother's pregnancy, besides my father, was Betty. Now, Betty was our English nanny, and she'd been with my mother and my sisters since they were little girls. She was a combination of Angela Lansbury and Betty Davis. She always wore false eyelashes. She wore the same pair for 20 years, and they were deeply encrusted in blue mascara. And she was farsighted and she refused to wear glasses, so one was always sort of sticking out like this and the other one was sticking down like that. Very thick pancake makeup that was never properly blended and bright orange Helena Rubinstein lipstick. And when she spoke, she always covered her mouth like this. Because she had very strange teeth. I adored this woman. She was like Mary Poppins to us. And she always carried around this big bag that had anything and everything inside of it. Because you always must be prepared. She had Valium for my mother. She had smelling salts. Because you never know when someone is going to faint. She had butter rum lifesavers, a magnifying glass, dog biscuits, a can of cat food, a can opener. Because you never know when you're going to see a stray. And last but not least, Betty always carried around an extra pair of clean underwear. Because you never know when you're going to be in an accident. It's horrifying to be caught off guard. I have to say that I love everything about your piece. You know that, the stage piece as it is and everything and everything about your performance. But... um. I do have a special, special place in my heart for Betty. Betty was, you know, I think also in life, right? Everybody, not everybody, but some families, they make their relatives out of their friends or just by default, something happens in a certain way. My mother's mother was in England, Nana, and mm -hmm. I loved my Nana, but she just wasn't, my mother left England and was in America for a huge, for most of her life after she was a war bride at 16. Wow. So when Betty came to work for my mother first in the fifties mm -hmm. as a cook, uh, she got to know the family one way. And then my mother was a widow. So her husband passed away. And basically it was just my mother, her two daughters and Betty did not want to go back to Scotland. That's where she was originally from. She just really didn't. She loved being in America. And mm -hmm. my mother basically said, look, I cannot pay you the way you were paid with my husband. And so Betty just stayed on with my mom and she became like a, a mom figure to my mother um, and a grandparent in some ways to us. But when I was growing up, Betty and my mom were my parents in many ways because I Betty took the role of the other parent, the equilibrium of another parent in the household. Wow. And, um, you know, my mother, they had a very complicated relationship like a mother and daughter can. Mm -hmm. and do and uh it was it was interesting sometimes to watch they would get into some rows the two of them but but always in the way betty would you know betty i would say betty I, i'm so upset that mommy got mad at you like that and betty would be hmm oh well i'll feel a lot better if we can watch some elvis presley <laughs> <laughs> she had a crush on muhammad ali i mean this is a woman who looked like queen victoria 
I really like him. I like his old name and I like his new name. And the thing I like the most is he's got gorgeous skin. And I'd say Elvis Presley. She said, no, Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Love her. <laughs> so um, I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of this. Yeah. Well, it was lovely. And I, I hope I can come back. Definitely. Keep an ear out for confessions of a mulatto love child. I have a feeling that exciting things are in store for it. Belina can currently be seen in season two of American Vandal, as well as the new seasons of Big Little Lies and Better Things. That's the show. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. And to find out more about our writers, go to our website, Instagram, or Twitter. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. And that's the number one, not the word one. Want to do something to help us? Go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars would be nice. You can say something complimentary. Because you know what? It really does help other people find our show. And also share us with a friend because word of mouth is the best compliment. Join us next week.